Welcome. This is Joseph Del Santos from Health Conscious Podcasts. Today we're going to have a conversation with Ben Tingey, an innovation manager, entrepreneur, business designer of HM Health, formerly Carolina's healthcare system. We are going to talk a little bit about his time leading up to Atrium Health, uh, coming from BYU and getting an MHA at George Washington University, as well as his time at the Innovation Engine, and about his podcast, A Sherpa's Guide to Innovation. And without further ado, here's Ben. And while I was there, I interned at a, a startup company called Privia Health, okay. which is not a startup anymore. It's uh, much bigger. Uh, they, uh, uh, I had an incredible experience there and probably where I caught some of the innovation bug uh, was, was working at a startup company and just loving the creative, uh, iterative, and, and the, the pace of... of uh, a startup environment, and um, so as most MHA students do, I was thinking about postgraduate plans and felt like I needed to learn a lot more about the industry and felt like a administrative fellowship was the best route for me. So I applied to um, several across the country, but uh, where I ended up going was at the time Carolina's Healthcare System, which is uh, recently rebranded as now Atrium Health, and my administrative fellowship was in our internal strategy consulting group, which was a 50 or 60 person internal consulting group. And we did corporate strategy and data analytics and financial planning and process improvement. And I just had a great experience rotating through uh, each of those departments and um, seeing healthcare and, and healthcare provision from a 50,000 foot level. You know, what is a full con- continuum healthcare system how does, how does that look like and how do you how do you navigate it and how do you um, develop strategy for something so large and and uh, I love that was in the strategic planning group after my fellowship for several years and then um, about a year ago moved over into the innovation engine and uh, have had a, a wonderful experience there I'm moving on to your podcast I guess how did you get that going? You know, did you get buy-in from people within your department and um, Atrium as well? And kind of, yeah, how do you got how do you got it going, basically? Yeah, this is a, this is a fun story. So, and this is often how corporate innovation projects get uh, <laughs> get started. Um, so, um, my my team and I, we are uh, insatiable learners. Uh, constantly reading books, listening to podcasts, articles. We're sharing things with each other all the time. We often walk into work every morning uh, with big eyes and, and say, you, you won't believe what I just heard on this podcast. It was amazing. I want to tell you all about it. And and uh, eventually it got to the point where we looked at each other and say, well, why, don't, why don't we try this? This could be really fun to do our own podcast. What, what could we talk about? Well, we could talk about this and that. Wow, that might actually be kind of interesting. And and uh, our chief innovation officer was in her office, and she kind of leaned uh, leaned in her chair, leaned over, and shouted at us, "Just start," <laughs> uh, which uh, which is uh, a phrase that I think they use a lot at IDEO. And uh, you know, 
for for someone with a background in strategic planning, that's kind of hard for me because uh, I like to plan and prepare and get ready. And and in innovation, you don't do that. You just you just start moving. And and so we said, okay. So we grabbed the microphone and and I think someone maybe hooked up GarageBand and we just went into a room and started talking about stuff. Uh, we really like. Um, a lot of Clayton Christensen's work out of um, the Harvard Business great, School on disruptive great, great innovation work. and jobs to be done theory. We're, we're big disciples of uh, of Clayton Christensen and his work, and so we just started riffing about disruptive innovation strategy with healthcare and and just started talking. And our first uh, four prototypes for episodes were just horrendous and uh we we sounded weird you know sometimes we were over scripted sometimes we didn't script enough and it just was too loose and um so it took a while for us to get comfortable behind a microphone and and figure out our own style and um and eventually we 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 think we kind of found it and so we we have list of topics and we have guests that we're going to be bringing in and um, we've recorded 15 episodes so far there are 14 that we'll be releasing the 15th in um, a week or two but um, you know it, it's been pretty cool the reception we've gotten um, we have listeners from a dozen different countries across the world and um, have really uh, have really just had a lot of fun and um, it's something we had to be, <laughs> you talked about, were, were there any permissions or something we had to get? Um, you know, we, we certainly did our, our our due diligence and we talked with all the people that we needed to talk to um, and, uh, you know, we're able to move forward. And uh, um, But we had already been prototyping and stuff before that. Um, and... Uh, but yeah, it's just been fun. It's been a creative outlet, and it's a way for us to engage in the national healthcare discussion. And it's been a great way to network, to you know, talk with people, and say, "Hey, we have a podcast, and give it a listen, and let us know what you think." And um, so we can't really tell you how many connections we've made um, through the podcast. It's it's uh, and it's hardly cost us any money at all. It's actually extremely inexpensive to do a podcast, and so uh, it's a great communication medium um, that has a um, pretty strong ROI in terms of, uh, and then you, the return is, is not always monetary, but um, from, from our perspective, it's uh, engaging in the national discussion and the people that we've met and, um, and the fun that we've had as a team um, for the time and effort we've put into it. Yeah, yeah. De- definitely. And I'm also a subscriber of A Sherpa's Guide to Innovation, which you can find on buzzsprout.com. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Ben, can you, can you speak to how you came up with the name uh, A Sherpa's Guide to Innovation? be happy to. So, our team, we refer to ourselves as Sherpas on the podcast, and, and some of that comes from our Chief Innovation Officer, Dr. Jean Wright. Uh, when, when she describes the work that we do in the Innovation Engine within the larger Atrium Health System, she talks about us acting as Sherpas. And, and the Sherpa is, uh, if you're not, not familiar, those are the sort of the, the Tawny Nepalese uh, people who have acclimatized to the high altitudes and, 
have been up and down the mountain dozens of times and who help the travelers get to the you know, help the climbers get to the top of the of the mountain. Um, and they're they're typically the ones carrying the load and they're you know carrying the food and the tents and the gear. Um, but they have experience and they know the terrain and um, uh, so you know she says that we're, we're kind of like those those Sherpas where we will help our operational leaders get to the top of the innovation summit and um, you know we don't need the credit we don't need the limelight we'll, we'll let them um, uh, you know be the one to um, you know take it to the finish line and, and but we'll facilitate we'll provide them the tools and we'll support them throughout the process and so that's that's kind of how we've got there and it's really that's our goal as uh, as podcasters is you know we we use some great theories from brilliant thinkers like Clayton Christensen and 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 many others um, and you know we want our listeners to have access to some of that and really learn so that we can move healthcare in a direction that is more equitable, less expensive, higher quality, higher trust, um, you know, that, that fits into the rhythm of people's lives. And, uh, you know, we think that through a podcast, we can act as Sherpas to empower more people with some innovation skill sets and be able to apply it in their work. So that's, that's kind of our purpose, I guess, is as Sherpas. Great. That's really interesting. In terms of your guys' process in the innovation engine, like what, what does human-centered design have to do with it for you guys? Yeah. Uh, everything. I mean, uh, human-centered design is, is a pretty core innovation methodology where uh, you know, your, your focus is redesigning processes that put the end user at the center, and in our case, typically the patient, um, you know, so how do you take a process that historically has been designed to make it easy for uh, the healthcare system, either for the physician or for nurses or because of all these hoops we have to jump through with regulators, um, you know, we've designed these kind of cumbersome processes that aren't very efficient and often aren't very patient-centric. And so can we redesign the process so that the whole experience is tailored to the needs and, and the jobs to be done of the patient? And then can we, on the back end, fit in everything we need to in terms of efficiencies and regulate uh, regulatory uh, concerns and everything? Um, because the it's all about the patient and um so human-centered design, is, it's fundamental, it's core. Um, so many of the principles of, of human-centered design we apply in in really all parts of our other work. And I mean, the first principle of design thinking is develop empathy for the end user. And so go to the, in, in Lean, I guess they call it go to the Gemba or go to Gemba yeah. and um, where, you know, go and do ethnography, go shadow people, go sit in the ER and observe what's going on, interview people, uh, really figure out what the world looks like through their eyes and, and what it feels like um, through their heart. And um, that will help you so much as you're designing 
a new process or a new experience or a new um, tool, whatever it might be, for them because that's that's who it's for. Um, and then so many other principles that we you know we could spend all day talking about it, but um, convergent and divergent thinking, um, you know, which which parts of the process are are going to help you do which uh, which piece of that. So it's it's a uh, it's a critical tool I think for any innovator to have in their toolbox. Yeah. I mean, uh, looking forward, I think uh, human-centered design has really been, uh, you know, catching steam in the recent years and seems to be a central part of innovation theory and uh, new methodologies that are coming out. Um, so moving forward, how do you see uh, human-centered design tying into disruptive technologies or disruptive processes uh, that are going to be implemented in the healthcare system? Uh, that's a terrific question. I'll maybe start with a quote from Jeff Bezos, and I think this might help align some of my thinking as I respond to your question, but so he said that invention is not disruptive, only customer adoption is disruptive. Um, you know, so let's say Steve Jobs had you know, designed the iPhone and never released it to the world. It would never have been disruptive, even though it was an incredibly disruptive Technology, mm-hmm. uh, because the world didn't know about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people were—they're going to vote with their feet and with their wallet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in a consumer uh, economy, in, a, in, a, in an experience economy, design is going to become so much more important because good design can significantly improve the customer experience. And patients are getting those type of experiences from other industries. I mean, the the ease of shopping on Amazon uh, is something that they desire in their healthcare experience, and, and they're not getting it in, in most cases. Um, you know, the ease at which they can uh, stream a movie uh, at home through Netflix is different than than, than the ease of, of accessing, you know, healthcare. Uh, and so, so many of these these trends that you're seeing in other industries are, are bleeding into, uh, and that's no pun intended, um, into the, the the patient experience. And so there are new consumer expectations about their experience. And so um, I think health systems are really seeking to respond to that and to be more consumer centric, more patient centric in. Um, their communication and the experience and the service design and um, there's so much analogous learning that we can do with other industries in terms of how they've designed processes or experiences and and services and and there are a lot of healthcare systems that are finding success in that um, um, but I, but I really think that is the key uh, and, and what I think will drive a lot of disruptive change is when, Healthcare systems apply principles like human-centered design and focus on what's best for the patient and what's going to keep them healthy in the first place and what's going to keep them home and um, you know never having to go into the hospital in the first place. What's going to keep them empowered uh, and feeling like they can own their health and wellness and and. Um, so, yeah, it's. I I don't see an area of healthcare that won't be touched 
by human-centered design if we really want that area to change significantly in the next, you know, next several years. You talked about um, adoption in terms of getting things done um, utilizing human-centered design. I guess coming, you were in the strategy office before. Did you interact with the innovation engine folks? And um, when you did, were you welcoming to the kind of innovative approaches they had? Uh, and like, what have been your interactions with people in that area? Excellent question. I did have some interaction with the innovation team when I was in the management company, or it's now called the Strategic Services Group. Uh, I was involved in, in some early phases of a project, which we I might talk about a little bit later, um, Proactive Health, uh, in, in a sort of a planning capacity and uh, an advisory capacity very early on. Um, I did some research on accelerator programs for startup companies. So I, I did have some interaction, and, and uh, um, what's interesting is uh, what we've discovered as entrepreneurs, uh, which you know, different than an entrepreneur, entrepreneurs and in, you know internal corporate innovation uh, is so much of what we do. It shapes against the current processes or the the, the way that things are, are currently set up, and so there's a natural tension with what we are trying to do, which is essentially change management. That's, that's really what innovation is in a lot of ways, um, and and what the core business is wanting to do. And so, some of the, the projects that we work on, we're we're trying to develop disruptive business models, and some of these business models are directly competing with our core business. And um, you know, the the theory says that that needs to happen in order for organizations to have long-term sustainability because they need to reinvent themselves, they need to develop tomorrow's business model using tomorrow's success metrics instead of hampering it with today's success metrics or today's business models. Um, and so, um, yeah, there's, there's a natural tension with, with innovation. And, and I think that that's okay. I mean, innovation, it's supposed to challenge the status quo. It's supposed to push. It's supposed to probe and ask questions and, and say, you know, is this the best way to do this? Are, are patients uh, feeling like their jobs to be done are, are being satisfied? Are we helping them achieve the progress that they're desiring? And um, so uh, it, 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 it's, a, it's a fun space to be in if you're comfortable with, <laughs> with uh, asking those types of questions and, and with hearing the word no a lot. But uh, um, some of us are, are crazy enough to do it, and, and we have a lot of fun, too. Yeah, I'm definitely used to hearing no coming uh, from the clinical research area <laughs> and trying to <laughs> convince patients to come join studies. But I think John had a question. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 just, it's interesting when you compare sort of the healthcare field and healthcare innovation to some of these companies like Amazon, Netflix, and Apple. Um, because, of course, you know, healthcare and sort of providing health to patients is a fundamentally different service than, you know, selling an iPhone or selling a product over Amazon. So what, what are some difficulties or maybe challenges that you have found or you think that the industry will face in the future uh, sort of transferring these methodologies from these innovative players into the healthcare space? 
is, is your question, you know, what, what challenges will uh, companies like Amazon face as they try to enter healthcare, or is it more the question of how will health systems respond to um, to uh, entrants, new entrants like Amazon, you know, using more more digital solutions? Just want to want to make sure I answer your question. Um, how? Uh, to your satisfaction. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, I think uh, the, the the second uh, part you said, how will uh, health systems respond to it, as well as how, how can health systems uh, sort of uh, apply the methodologies. But you, you mentioned that you, you are looking outside the healthcare industry to bring the me- methodologies in. So I was just wondering how uh, Atrium is doing that. Yeah, analogous learning is a, is a key component there is so many other industries doing interesting things that we can learn from, and um, you know, I would say, uh, well, Dr. Oz, who I mean, say what you want about his uh, clinical qualifications and, and all of that, of, of being a doctor on TV and everything, but he did say something recently that the future of healthcare is digital, mm-hmm. and um, I, I tend to agree with that. I think from an efficiency standpoint and from a cost perspective, so much of the healthcare experience should move towards the digital domain. Um, And what companies like Amazon and Apple and Google and and many others that, you know, have become so successful is they're able to take advantage of, I don't want to get too much into the financial theory here. And and actually there's a great podcast called Exponent that talks a bit about this, but um, you know, when you develop software, your your fixed costs, like, you know, the, the development costs of the software, but once you've developed it, your marginal costs are next to nothing. Mm-hmm. And so you can reproduce that software over and over and over and over and over again with hardly any additional cost. Um, and if there are digital solutions to behavior change that can keep people healthy in the first place, which is obviously so critical to a population health strategy is how do you help people make healthy choices so that um, you're significantly reducing their need for healthcare utilization in a in a hospital or in any other type of setting so from a disruptive standpoint um, you know we learned from the theory that there are two types of disruption there's low-end disruption and new market disruption and you know low-end meaning that you've, you have a new business model that is so much more efficient than the incumbent, you're able to produce um, the, you know, often an inferior product at a significantly lower cost structure. Um, but you do that and you're able to eventually undercut your competition. Mm-hmm. And um, for, for healthcare to change its business model so that it's inherently less expensive, and I think cost is in my opinion, the biggest problem in the U.S. healthcare system. Uh, for us to solve that, we I think there are digital solutions that will make it so much more or less costly to provide care, um, particularly in, in a population health environment where we're keeping people healthy through digital means, whether that's you know communication technologies with providers, whether it's health education technology or if it's chronic disease management technology, um, so much of it, I think, is moving towards a digital space and, and should continue moving at a much faster pace if um, we really want it to, to work. But um, 
I've probably rambled too long and gotten into too much theory, but um, <laughs> that's kind of where my, my thinking's at right now. Oh, great. And mm-hmm. it, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how, uh, you know, Carol Atrium sort of responds to these uh, pressures that are pressing in. Yeah, definitely. I think that was a, a great point to uh, end this podcast on. Thank you to Ben Tingey for allowing us to speak with him about his podcast, his time at Atrium Health, and his career journey thus far. Uh, thank you, listeners, for taking the time to listen to the podcast today. You can check out Ben's podcast, A Sherpa's Guide to Innovation, on iTunes. Check out also the blog on healthconsciouspodcast.wordpress.com. Thanks for stopping, Shaw. And with that, have a great week.